If I'm either blaming him for not being good or blaming myself for not being good enough for him, I'm basing his reality based on the moment, the feelings of the moment, and not the facts of his faithful history. Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club. It's a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club, but really don't have time to do either. So I take care of it for you. I'm Andy. And uh, today we're talking with Michelle Cushat, who wrote a book about feeling God's presence when you don't feel it. You know, when you're going through those times in life where you're going through struggles and pain, maybe the loss of a loved one, and you think, God, where are you in this? And Michelle, I know your journey kind of led you to write this book. I've always loved Jesus my whole entire life. My parents became Christians when I was little, and so I've never known a life without faith following Jesus as part of that. However, I didn't anticipate how hard life would be. And so as I entered into my 40s, I found myself wrestling with pretty significant suffering and loss and grief, a series of consecutive losses over about two decades that made me really wrestle with some of my theology because I'd always said, I've always thought if I follow God and do everything right, he's going to give me a good life. And that's not how it panned out. So what do you do when you do your best to follow God and yet you still end up with a life that looks very wrong? And I think it's kind of uh, cool that you took and, and uh, this idea from the Old Testament about having these stones that we, we place down yes. in our life. Talk a little bit more about that. All right. There's a story in the book of Joshua. It's Joshua and the Israelites. It's after they have escaped the slavery and persecution in Egypt. God's delivered them from that. God has told them that he's delivering them to a promised land. So they're, you know, at this point, they're thinking, finally, finally, all of the hard stuff is over. Now it's going to be smooth sailing from here. And just about that time, they bump up into the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River wasn't a stream or a creek at that time. It was harvest time. The Bible says it was running at flood stage. So literally, they could not cross it. I mean, to attempt to cross it would have taken their lives. They were truly up against a rock in a hard place, right? They had no options. And God said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, have the priest take the Ark of the Covenant and, and step into the water. And this is what happened. The moment the priest touched the water, the Jordan River split. The water piled up at far the distance and the Israelites crossed through to the other side on dry ground. Very similar to the whole story of the Red Sea. However, when they got to the other side, God had them do something that seemed very unusual. They get to the other side of the Jordan River. They've made it through this impossible circumstance. And God says, I want you to send 12 people back to the middle of the riverbed I want you to pick up 12 stones from the middle and I want you to bring them over here and set them up as an altar. So in other words, what he was saying, I want you to go back to the middle of the circumstance that was impossible, that river that you would have never got through without my presence in the middle of it. I want you to pull out stones and I want you to create an altar of remembrance. So that way, no matter what comes in the future, you will remember my presence, my power and my faithfulness in the past. And so I use that whole story throughout the book because you and I, we cannot control what happens later today or tomorrow. And bad things are going to happen. It's just the nature of this human life. However, we need to shore up our faith. We need to establish a confidence in God's presence and provision and his faithfulness and love for us now. So that way, even when the rug gets pulled out from under our feet uh, later today or tomorrow or next year or next month, we remember God's faithfulness. In other words, if he's carried us through our last Jordan River, he's going to carry us through the next one. And, and I love as you talk about this in Altar Stone, Stone 4, looking for God's presence 
in your wilderness. And so maybe you kind of feel like the Israelites were wandering around and say, God, I know you promised me this. We're not here yet. How do we do that? Well, and some of that is to continually remind yourself of God's faithfulness in the past. So to continually bring that to mind. There have been other times in my life I felt lost. What happens is, is our current circumstance, pain, pain works like putting on blinders. Um, pain blinds us to any hope. It, when we are in some kind of pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or relational pain or spiritual pain, we equate the presence of pain with the absence of God. And so we assume that we wouldn't be suffering if God loved us enough and he was with us. And so it starts to mess with our perspective on God's reality with us. And that's why when we have those wildernesses where we feel completely lost, we have to anchor ourselves to something outside of ourselves, something bigger than us. Um, when you and I get lost in the woods, we need someone to help us find our way back home. We don't just stay there in the woods and stay lost. We sit there and look for a GPS or a map or coordinates or some kind of direction. And so what we need is something to remind us of the fact that God is our true north. He is our anchor. He's the one that's going to help us get to where we need to go, even when we feel lost. And I think that ties in perfectly to what you talk about in Altar Stone 5 in a pretty powerful uh, message that the story that hit me too of when you were at church, uh, I think it w with your son and what the pastor said that one day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we were, we were, I have six children, ages 27 to 12. So I've been parenting a long time. And, uh, and, you know, we start out parenting wanting to do it all right, right? We want to get it right. Well, that day in church, my 22-year-old was sitting next to me in church. And at this point, you know, a lot of the heavy lifting of my parenting is done. And the pastor in the middle of the church asked, um, how many of you in this room um, grew up believing that you had to be good for God to love you? How many of you grew up believing you had to be good for God to love you? And, and I, I mean, it didn't even take me a second for me to raise my arm in the air. I, I was comforted by the fact that I heard other arms in the room going up at the same time. And I, I realized that I'm not the only one that grew up thinking that if I made any mistakes, God was going to revoke his love for me. But what was most troubling in that moment as my hand was in the air as I felt movement at my right. And it was my son. My 22-year-old son was raising his hand in the air at the same time. And it broke my heart because if there's one thing I wanted to get right as a mom, I, I wanted my kids to know that God loves them no matter what. And yet here he was admitting to this crowd of people that he too grew up believing he had to be good for God to love him. And so I reached over to my son, patted his leg, and I said, I'm so sorry, babe. I'm so sorry. I know better now. And he looked at me and said, that's okay, mom. I know better too. And in that moment, I realized that uh, even though we will do our best to get things right, we are going to blow it. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. We're not going to get it right. But God's mercy meets us there. All right. Let's talk about um, <clears throat> a little further on the book. I, I think this is something else that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to. When we're going through times of crisis, um, we always try to go to the uh, three steps to this or four strategies to that. Why <laughs> <Yes. laughs> well, we think, yes. oh, if we just did A, B, and C, oh, this problem should be taken care of. Yeah, we want, we want easy solutions. We want answers, or we think we want answers. We want to be able to create a, you know, as long as we do A, B, and C, or one, two, three, everything's going to work out fine. But what we're ultimately doing with that kind of 
request or demand, I think, is that we are trying to put ourselves in the control seat. We want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to be the God of our own universe. And so we think if we can just do one, two, three and get our lives on track, then everything's under our control. However, I don't think that what we really need most is answers. We think we want answers. We think we want clear ABC strategy. And yet I believe that at our deepest heart, we know we actually need a God that is bigger than our ability to figure out. We need a God that is beyond our comprehension, that is beyond our ability to unravel because we need something bigger than ourselves. I think we all know at the end of the day, deep down, that uh, as, as hard as we may work, we are not capable of, of, of saving ourselves. And so we need a God that's bigger than our ability to unravel. And so all those one, two, three step things, you know, they're nice when we need to diet or we need to (laughs) figure out how to get more sleep or whatever. But when it comes to eternity, we need a God that is far bigger, far more mysterious, far more complex in a three part strategy. And then uh, just a little later on, you talk about this too, which is really good too, that you, you're being very transparent. You said, you know, I, in my in your time of need, I wanted a Hollywood God. Yeah, yeah, we really want we want we want to feel good. We want lights and action, and we want happy endings, and we want a red bow on top. We really want a God to show off and impress us. The thing is, is that you know we say we want to, and I I say this in context of a miracle. So I've been through cancer three times. Uh, head and neck cancer. I've lost two thirds of my tongue. I live with permanent disability and chronic pain. Uh, you know, so I'm living in a very hard reality. And there are days that I just want a miracle. You know, I just want the fireworks and the light show and God to make everything okay. Um, but at the same time, we say that we want that. And I have a feeling, though, it would only take a few days post miracle for the shine to wear off and for us to want another one. I mean, look at the disciples. They walked with Jesus for three years and saw Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle and after miracle. And yet then when he was arrested and crucified, they lost all hope. Uh, It doesn't take us long to lose our faith after one miracle is done. Uh, So what we don't really need is more proof of God's presence, but more experience of his reality. We don't need more proof of him. We need more trust in him. You're talking about, yeah, spiritual living um, and that for a long time you were s- assumed all the responsibility and y- you kind of felt like if you didn't feel God's presence that it was you, y- you were to blame, you did something wrong or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, we, I mean, it's so interesting. We either externalize all blame or take all blame, but you know, part of the challenge then is, is that my relationship with God became so very dependent on how I felt with regards to his nearness at any any given time. And as you know, feelings are powerful. And I'm not saying that you don't have feelings or that you shouldn't pay attention to them because a lot of times the Holy Spirit communicates to us through feelings. But we can't base the reality of God's presence or affection purely on how, how we feel at the moment. And so if I don't feel him, if I'm either blaming him for not being good or blaming myself for not being good enough for him, I'm basing his reality based on the moment, the feelings of the moment and not the facts of his faithful history. So at some point, I'm going to have to step back in those moments where God feels far away. I'm going to have to step back and go, I, I don't feel you right now, God. I'm just, you feel very far away. I don't know where you are. I, I feel alone. However, I can look 
through the pages of my life. I can look through the pages of the Bible and I can see proof after proof after proof of your presence with us. I see your character. I see your heart. I hear you say words like Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 14, 18. I see that and I'm going to choose to trust your history and not my present circumstance. I'm going to choose to trust that what you've always done is what you're still doing, even if I can't fail you. The book again is called Relentless. If you want to find out more about it, Michelle Cushat, thank you so much for hanging out. We're going to take a few weeks off from the 30 second book club but coming up in december you're not going to want to miss this if you are either just looking at what a relationship with jesus looks like for the first time or you're like me you've been a christian most of your life and you think i need to get back to the basics and just follow what jesus said well ray comfort has an incredible devotional for you it's called jesus in red 365 meditations on the words of jesus and he's gonna be talking about that in the 30 second book club coming up in a few weeks